welcome to the Deep Pockets and Stilettos podcast. I'm your host, Lorianne, and my goal is to help women feel empowered and in control of their financial lives. On this podcast, we discuss concrete advice on how to move forward in your financial journey, whether you are already advanced or starting from scratch. And we also dive into mindset shifts around money that are critical for financial success. So if you want to take charge of your finances and feel inspired and empowered, go ahead and give it a listen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Deep Pockets and Stilettos podcast. Welcome back if you're not a new listener. Today, I have an episode for you that I think is particularly timely as we are in June, so mid-year. And this episode is going to be about habit formation. Can you believe we're already in June? Time just flies these days. And I feel like mid-year is a fantastic opportunity for us to reevaluate our goals, our habits, and what we've been doing, and eventually to course correct if we end up finding out that we're not on the right track. Why wait until the beginning of next year or the end of summer? We can start new habits at any given point. So let's not wait to start. So this episode is going to be my invitation for you to reevaluate your habits and maybe look into new habits that you would like to implement because they can help you grow. So this episode is going to be about three habits of the 1% that lead to success in life. And don't get too fixated on the 1%. I just use this as a generic term to mean people who have achieved amazing success in their professional lives and as a result have achieved exceptional financial success because they really honed in on their crafts and were able to reach the peak of their industries. For instance, it can be an athlete, a very successful TV show host, a very successful fund manager, a lawyer, a doctor, any type of person who really has demonstrated their ability to reach the top of their discipline. And as a result of that work, great financial success came. And obviously, these are quite common examples of people we would think of as the 1%, but the 1% is not a box. It's not a defined persona. Some people can achieve incredible business success and financial success in life in very, very niche industries that no one has ever heard of. So another thing not to get too fixated on. So today we're going to look at three habits that people who have achieved that kind of success have. Habit number one is thinking about skill. Habit number two is abiding by the phrase, your network is your net worth. And habit number three is focus and consistency. So let's get right into it. Habit number one is that extremely successful people think about scale, building scalable businesses, think about multiplying factors and not trading that time, which is finite for money, because that ultimately limits you and your earning potential. That piece of advice goes along with not living life on autopilot. How deeply do you think of the scalability of what you 
set out to do. Can your career make you earn six figures, multiple six figures, or even seven figures? How much more effort and time would be needed in your present occupation to double your salary? And for most of us, me included, to double our salaries, we would need to change companies, but the likelihood that a company would be double what we make right now for the exact same job is slim. So the most likely way to double our salary would be to just get a second job that pays exactly the same as the one we have. But that is not scalable because we cannot multiply ourselves and be ubiquitous and work five different jobs at the meantime. It's not scalable. And how the one person generally approach this is they think of every opportunity, business or professional as, is it scalable or not? How much time would I need to trade to double that income coming from that source? They think about whether or not the at the end of the road, not at the beginning, but at the end of the road, the money they make from that job, that business can be completely discorrelated to the time they put in. And I think there's a lot of chatter about this online and confusion because we think about internet entrepreneurs who have passive income and work, you know, two, three hour days while leaving on the beach. I mean, this is obviously a very cliche picture, but just so you can understand what I mean. And this is not what it is. Most successful people in life, and I mean, the Warren Buffetts, the Charlie Mungers, the Oprah Winfrey, these successful people actually do work a lot, at least at the beginning of their journey to get to the top. And a bunch of their time at the very beginning is used conducting some business or intellectual activity of some sort. The difference is that once they reach the peak, they do not make money on a salaried basis. They reached a certain point in their own fields that leads them to owning businesses and therefore understand the crucial importance of scalability. And the difference here between a typical internet entrepreneur and the 1% is that the prime motivation of internet entrepreneurs is to stop trading time for money. They do not want jobs. While the 1% are more concerned about reaching the top of their given industries. So at the very beginning of their journey, they're not so concerned about trading time for money because they know this is their way to the top. And also because they have thought of the scalability of what they're doing and of their present occupations. For instance, let's say you're Oprah and you're starting your career. You think, okay, you know what? If I'm the best TV host ever, I'm the best at doing interviews and I work my ass off in these jobs soon enough, I won't need to hunt for jobs anymore because the opportunities will come to me. And when the job opportunities will come to me because I'm the best, I can be discerning and I can negotiate a way higher paycheck of these opportunities because I will have a plethora of choice. And ultimately, when I reach that top, again, other business opportunities will come to me, book deals, uh, private events. I will have 
more abundance in the things I can do because I became the best. It's similar for an athlete. The Cristiano Ronaldo's and Tom Brady's of the world, they know that if they become the best in their fields, way more opportunities will come to them. Sports sponsorship opportunities, being present in TV commercials, endorsements, they will have so many opportunities if they reach the top of their field that they do not care to put in the hours because they know that what comes down the line is going to be 10 times more valuable. And so this is a great example of understanding the scalability of a career and how I think we can be inspired by that in our own careers is obviously we're not all going to be Tom Brady's, that's for sure, and not reach that level of earnings. But we can evaluate our future job opportunities based on their scalability. For example, considering a new job, thinking about whether the earnings in that particular position or if you were to move up the ranks would be capped, you know, because some careers and most of the time that's the case in corporate are sort of capped uh, to a certain level of earnings. So it's really important to know that before you're switching jobs or considering a new career because you might not be okay with where the capped earnings are at. So it's really important to look at these parameters before making any career moves. And you know what? Information is power in the end. So if you know that the career you're in is you're going to be blocked at some point for making more, then that's okay to change. No one is going to prevent you from doing that. So we've talked about understanding the scalability of a career. Now, the other part that the 1% understand is evaluating businesses through the scalability lens. I was listening to Jason Kalanakanis the other day. He's one of the most successful business angels. And he said that he does not consider investments that don't have the capacity to 100x, more or less. And so that's the prime example of thinking about scalability before engaging into any business opportunity and in, in his case, any investment opportunities. So I'll give an example of scale so it's very clear um, what a scalable business is. For instance, let's say someone is passionate about fashion and wants to create their own fashion brand. That requires inventory, product, sourcing, and a warehouse in order to store all the inventory. So the production is in nature cost-intensive. On the other end, someone is passionate about something and wants to create a software within that niche. So they'll have a lot of development costs from the start, but then once the software is up and running, they can sold it infinitely. It doesn't have a limit once it's been created. And so this is the prime definition of scale. How much more manpower and money do I need to scale my production? In the case of the software, once you have spent the upfront costs of development, whether you sell 10 units of the software or a million, 
the upfront costs of developments will be the same. So that means that this business has scalability power. You can multiply your earnings without having to put in the front costs many times over. While on the other end, the fashion example, in order to sell 10 garments, you need the production costs of 10 garments. In order to sell 100 garments, you need to factor in the production cost of 100 garments. Now, granted, there can be economies of scale the more garments you produce, but they would never be comparable to the minimal to zero costs of selling the software 100,000 times, a million times, once you have spent that upfront cost. So just something to keep in mind when you're evaluating, you know, companies, if you like to invest and uh, stock pick, which again is not recommended for the majority of the population, you know, think about scale. If, you know, you want to invest in a fashion brand that you love, then maybe it's not the company that's going to give you the best return of your money. If, you know, you consider joining a startup and they will give you stock options, then think about the scalability of the startup. Is the startup producing a physical product or is the startup producing a software? If it's a software, you know there's way more scalability power. So you know that the offer of that startup will be more worthwhile than the startup who produces a product. Not saying they're not going to be both successful because obviously this is a case-by-case opportunity, but just as a rule of thumb, the more scalable the business, the more chances it has to rev- multiply its revenue easily. And therefore, if you own a piece of it, the more money you can make out of it. So that was it on the first habit, which I think is not discussed enough. And I truly hope that this can help you better evaluate job opportunities in your career and also business opportunities if you're an entrepreneur or an investor. Now let's move on to habit number two. Your network is your net worth and abiding by that phrase. This is something that the 1% really understand. They understand the value of being well-connected and that anything in life starts with your connections or your relationships. I read a statistic the other day that said that 80% of jobs are filled through a network connection and that 70% of jobs never even hit the job market and are not ever published. And so as cliche as it may sound, your network is your net worth is a fact of life and we could all benefit from applying more of that into our life. So ask yourself the questions. Are you actively trying to expand your network? How often do you connect with new people in your life but actually never follow through? And following through is actually where most of us fall short. We say to someone we met at a professional event, oh yeah, let's grab coffee next week and never do. We never text that person or email them to actually grab that coffee. And who knows, maybe that person would have been our future business partner or gave us an idea. But outside of it bringing us anything, I think where the 1% excel at is that they're really good at human interactions and you don't need to get something out of everything in life. I think COVID really did a number on us and we're kind of afraid of real life interactions. 
there's a lot of social anxiety and we've kind of forgotten how to act around strangers and just have a casual conversation with a stranger not wanting to get anything out of it. And I think most people tend to discard networking because they think of it as being very transactional. And that's actually not how the one person thinks about it. Extremely successful people are generally great at networking. They understand the abundance and learnings that can come from meeting new people outside of a transactional mindset. They are intellectually curious and love to hear about other walks of life or people's stories. What do you have to lose? Grabbing coffee with someone only takes an hour or 30 minutes if you're really on a time crunch. Just be interested in others. You don't need to get anything out of it. That's the first thing we can learn from the 1% about networking. Now, another thing great networkers do, or the 1% is general in general, is I mentioned they don't think about what the other person can do for them. Instead, they also think about how they can be of service to that person, how they can help. This is what great networkers and successful people do. They are concerned about being of help to others. So the next time you meet someone and do follow through because you want to be a better networker and have coffee with them, think about how you could help them instead of them helping you. I guarantee that this simple change in mindset will actually pay dividends later. So that was the first part of networking, expanding your network. And now I want to talk about the second part, which is auditing your network. Is It is to be careful with who you spend your time with. Successful people are very discerning about who they spend time with. So ask yourself the question, are the people surrounding you making you better or are they bringing out the worst in you? I'm going to plug in another cliche phrase here that is nonetheless true. We are the sum of the five people we most hang out with. So if one of these relationships, every time you leave that person, you feel drained and that your dreams have been crushed, maybe, you know, reduce the time that you spend with that person. I'm not saying erase anyone from your life because I think that that would be too extreme. Look at how you feel around certain people. And I'm sure you might have people in your surroundings or network that you do spend time with. But when you leave that interaction, do not feel the best. And that's the same for work. You don't have to hang out with colleagues that make you feel bad. Say you have something else planned for lunch. You don't need to take coffees with your colleagues. And, you know, it's hard to say because sometimes there's pressure around that, but really important that you put boundaries on your time, especially with people that you think are draining for you. So take a look at your relationships and people you spend most of your time with, your boyfriend, your husband, your partner, your family, your friends, your colleagues, because we do spend a lot of time at work, especially in an office setting. And it will be crystal clear for you who's not making you feel your best and not making you feel like a million dollars and who do you leave crushed every single time and drained because of that person's negative energy 
We generally notice things deep down inside, but have a tendency to shut them up because we don't want to admit it to ourselves. To the contrary, I would invite you to listen to that intuition. And obviously, if this is someone that is going to be permanent in your life, for example, a sibling or a partner that you are in a long-term commitment with, then obviously you're not going to erase that person from your life. So I would invite you to have a conversation and tell them that their negative chatter is making you feel drained and that you would like if uh, your interactions could take a more positive tone from here onwards. So that's it for this second habit of the 1%. Now let's take a look at the third habit, focus and consistency. Extremely successful people in life tend to focus on one thing at the time and be extremely consistent about it. Let me explain. We all have in mind that it's super important to have multiple streams of income and not rely on one single source because it's risky and all of this advice. And I agree, the more income sources you can have, the better. It's, you know, there's no arguing about it. But what most people fail to acknowledge is recognize is they're only advertising us the finish line. We only see oppress success through the lens of today. We don't see it through the lens of when she was 24, when she was 34, when she was 44. She was already successful by then, but you know what I mean? We don't see the grind and the sweat on the forehead. And it's not reality to only show the finish line. And on top of that, it's not productive because you're supposed to go from having a nine to five to being a billionaire. That, that's not even realistic. Show us the steps in between. And the steps they're not showing in between because it's not glamorous and it's not fun and it's not sexy is that generally people in the 1% tend to be extremely focused individuals that honed in on their crafts when nobody was looking, where no one knew their name. And that's when the magic happened. They really focused on one industry at the time. And going back to the first habit, they knew that this industry had scalability power and could pay dividends later if they really reached the peak of that industry. Only later, came in the wealth and the many, many streams of income and also the passive income. At the beginning, they were relying on active income and actually putting a lot of their time in to reach that top. And what we rarely ever hear is that what precedes is a long road of hard work and dedication to reach the top. But like the rest of the population, people in the 1% often start their own wealth journey by putting in a ton of work and earning active income. Like I said, they play their strength and choose fields where there is high income potential. They look for niches that are unsaturated and work their way up in that niche. This habit is also about living life with intentionality. Most of the time, we do not think consciously about whether what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis is truly aligned with where we want to go in life. If you want to be at the top of your industry or your job occupation in general and a high-income earner, 
as well, then you need to have a strategy in place and choose fields that have scalability or choose strategies in your field that have scalability. It's not for everyone. Not everyone wants to have reached the top. Some people are way more lifestyle oriented. But what I'm saying is, if that is your goal, you need to have a strategy in mind that has scalability, like I mentioned in the first tip, and live life with intentionality. Where I find it's challenging is that, for example, some people claim they want to be multi-multi-millionaire and yet don't even think about whether their current positions can get them there. Well, to the contrary, the self-made 1% were extremely intentional with where they put their minds, attention, and time. And they did put in a lot of time to make that happen, but they were intentional with where that time was going because they knew that once they unleashed the power of whatever they were doing, they would reach the top. So that's a wrap on today's episode about habits of extremely successful people. What can you start today? The three habits were, Number one, think of scalability in your career or business. Does this job or opportunity have the ability to 100x or will you be capped in your growth soon enough? Not only in terms of earnings, but also in professional development. The second habit was your network is your net worth. Start expanding your network. It can start with one coffee at a time and be useful to others. And the second part of that is look at your current circle. Are they supportive of your growth or are they hindering your growth? Ask yourself the question and then act accordingly. Then the final habit was to focus on one thing and be consistent about it. Live life with intentionality. Once you have identified that opportunity in your field, Dedicate yourself to it and don't worry too much about developing multiple streams of income in the short term. One, because if you reach the top of that field and you have a certain level of expertise, these will come to you naturally. Or second, they will be way more easily developed once you have reached a certain level of your field and your credentials are there. The 1% certainly did not start day one of their wealth building journeys by focusing on multiple streams of income. They were focused and dedicated to one career. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked the show, don't forget to rate and leave a review. It's the best way to help the podcast grow and get discovered by other women like you that are looking to take their financial game to the next level. Also, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episode. I'll see you next time. And in the meantime, remember, take action to materialize the life you want. The information contained in this podcast is not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as financial, legal, and tax advice. I am not an attorney, accountant, or financial advisor, nor am I holding myself out to be. And the information contained here is not a substitute for financial advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation.